This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This podcast is proudly in association with HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a subscription-based meal kit company that delivers amazing recipes straight to your door. On the app, you'll be able to choose your weekly recipes to meal plan your week. They deliver fresh ingredients straight to your door to make the recipes that have carefully been selected. With step-by-step recipe cards, there's no need to be a chef to cook delicious meals. You have full flexibility on what meals you get and when you get them. It's easy to add extra portions, change recipes, modify your delivery time or pause your deliveries. We are also delighted to offer a 60% discount to West Ham fans on the first box and then a 25% discount on the following two months when you use the code WESTHAMWAY in capital letters. So download the HelloFresh app or visit the website www.hellofresh.co.uk forward slash WESTHAMWAY to get these delicious, easy to make meals sent straight to your door. Hello Fresh, dinner is solved. You're listening to the West End Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi oi! Hello and welcome to the West End Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. Things are going from bad to worse for West Ham after another shocking performance against Nottingham Forest increases the pressure on David Moyes. We talk about that game, what that means for the gaffer, whether he's lost the dressing room, his post-match interviews and Brentford next week before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham 1. Unfortunately, we're faced with another pretty depressing show because we needed a reaction to that humiliating result against Arsenal and we didn't get one. Give us your thoughts on another disappointing result, this time against Nottingham Forest. Um, well, exactly that. Disappointing, a very poor performance. I thought if it weren't for Ariola, it could have replicated the Arsenal game in terms of scoreline. Um, it was poor all round, really. Hard to think of anything positive to say about the game. I was surprised from the start that he chose to go with the same defence and goalkeeper, although the goalkeeper did play well in fairness, but same defence that shipped 
um, nine goals in two games previously, so that was a bit of a concern. And yeah, just generally nothing really positive to talk about. Again, another disappointing performance. Um, you know, red card for Phillips, who's had a, <laughs> it's got to be fair to be said, a disastrous start to his career. Um, poor goals conceded, nothing really going forward. It's hard to really think of anything good to say, isn't it, at the moment? It really is, mate. You know, I've been scratching around trying to find some positives and I I think I could think of one, which was the return of Mikel Antonio and it was great to see him back. But even then, for me, he looked a bit overweight. So, you know... And that, that's that's up with shots as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. So for me, even that positive as an underlining, you know, sort of feeling of negativity. So even that wasn't great. But I, I, I echo what you're saying, X. I mean, it was, for me, it was very similar to the Arsenal performance. And like you rightfully say, it's only because of Ariola and I think the fact that Forrest don't have the quality that Arsenal have, that it wasn't another 6 0. I mean, Christ Almighty, they had so many chances and, and Ariola made some great saves, to be fair to him. But it was a gutless performance. No heart. No energy, no quality, no enthusiasm. And they just don't look like players who want to play for the manager. And I can only think he's lost the dressing room now. Um, I mean, for me, I don't know. It was like the beginning of the end for Moyes against Arsenal. It had that sort of doomsday feel about it, if you like. And I think that carried through to the Forest game. I honestly think he's got one hell of a job turning this around now. I mean, have you been told how the players feel about playing for Moyes at the moment? Is it as bad as it seems? Um, I, I don't think it is as bad as it seems from what I've heard. I mean, of course, really? whenever well, whenever things don't go well, you're going to get one or two that make a fuss, aren't you? Particularly those that maybe are having under scrutiny themselves right now. Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's lost the dressing room from not from what I've heard. I mean, you know, it could be a case that they they would prefer another manager. I don't think it's a case that, you know, the players just aren't playing for him, which has happened on the previous managers. I, I think they're disappointed. I mean, they're majorly concerned about what's going on. Um, and obviously they want the results to turn. But um, I don't think... It's a complete mutiny yet, so to speak. Well, I think you've alluded to this, but one thing that we were both expecting was a number of changes against Forrest after the Arsenal game, and he only made two in the starting lineup. Did that surprise you? Yeah, I mean, I agreed with the fact that Sujic should be dropped. Yeah, um, I, I think that was the right choice. Although ultimately, Phillips ended up getting sent off, but with with the benefit that's with the benefit of hindsight, I agree with that change. I, I again would have brought Antonio back as he did. Although I did have fears, as we both did beforehand, that he wouldn't be fit enough and it would be rushing him back too soon, which again was proven to be the case. But for me, I would have changed the back line. You know, again, if you look at both goals. You know, maybe it's a bit harsh the first one on Aguerd, but he did get turned pretty easily by a physical forward. And you know that that's how that player, and we owe however you pronounce it, plays. You know, he turns he turns forwards like that. He's done it before against many teams. So Aguerd should know this. Also, if you look at it, um, and it was pointed out to me by someone that's quite, you know, good at their sort of analysis that when the ball goes out from the defence, the midfield just take too long to get out. The guy that played it back in, that mm. first goal, you'd say Gwed's should have done better. And then if you look at the second goal, I didn't realise it at the game because obviously it was down the other end. But you look back at that and Gwed's at fault for that one as well. Yeah. You know, he gets yeah. turned inside by someone on the, and then they cut it 
back or whatever, kind of backside as a shot. And then Hudson Odoi scores. And so he's at fault for two goals again. And actually, since he's been back from the African nations, he's just looked so ropey. So I would have dropped him. Definitely, you could argue probably Zuma should have been dropped as well. But certainly I would have dropped at Aguered. And I would have probably played Ogbonna there. And yes, you've got the issue of a lack of pace, particularly if you've got Zuma alongside Ogbonna. But I, I just don't think Ogbonna would have been turned inside out like he was, um, like Aguered was. And, you know, Aguered did all right at certain periods of the game. You know, I think we both agreed that at times mm. he was playing quite well, but he's always got that mistake in him. Mm. I also, if you're going to sacrifice a defence, you know, pace a bit with Aguered and put Ogbonna in, then you should put... Johnson in at right back instead of Chafal. I think Chafal struggles with pace as well. And, you know, Hudson Adoy and Alanga and all their quick players, you know, Morgan Gibbs uh, against against him. I thought he struggled as well. So I would have put at least two changes to the back line, possibly three. I said it before. I think I would have gone Johnson, Mavropanos, Bonner and Emerson in that defence and you know he didn't we conceded two goals again so that's you know that's 11 goals in three games now so we've got to do something yeah we have to it has to be addressed I mean it's it's just incredible how we can be so focused on the defensive element of the game and concede so many fucking goals it's just madness Mm. and it's you know I mean it just tickles me because it is the West Ham way you're you're right about Aguerd I mean there there were times in the game where he actually was doing okay but then he has got a ricket in him and the thing is with Naif, he's well and truly past the settling in period now in this country in this division in West Ham and he really has to start getting some consistency from somewhere because he has got good attributes for a centre-half. He really has. But he just makes me nervous now because too many games we've watched him and you think, oh, no, how have you done that? Or have you not read that? Or have you dived into that? Or have you made that mistake? And it's becoming a bit of a concern now. I think what summed the game up at Nottingham Forest, if I'm quite honest, was that Naif Aguero was probably one of our most prominent attacking players in that game. Yeah, <laughs> I think he probably yeah. produced... Some of the some of the best chances in the game, and there weren't many of them. Let me tell you. Mm. So it was an absolute mess. But you mentioned him earlier, Calvin Phillips. I mean, has there been a worse start to a loan agreement in the history of the game than Calvin Phillips at West Ham? No, I mean, I mean, there were some poor ones in the nineties. When I think of Mike Newell and what was that forward called Alves or whatever his name was. So there was a few, but yeah, I mean, in, re- in recent years. Um, <laughs> I mean, especially from the calibre of the player as well. You know, when we were in the championship, we had the likes of what? Um, what was that guy's name? Robbie Stockdale and mm. Wayne Quinn and people like that, where it's all very average loans. But in terms of calibre of player, like we were we were waxing lyrical when, he, when we signed him, you know, an England yeah. international, uh, a Man City winner. You know, we were buzzing for it. And... In his defence, I actually think he played all right. Until the sending off, he was probably one of our better players. He made quite a few challenges. He had a bit of energy in midfield. but And I think the ref has been... Like he's obviously booked him for pushing the guy away when the guy the guy should have been out of the way in the first place, and then a second booking, yeah, probably is a yellow, but it's it's not clear cut, and the, that ref was definitely swayed by the crowd. So I think oh, yeah. he's, I think he got unlucky with that, but yeah, I mean when you think about it, sending off, you know, been at fault for at least two or three goals. He's it's been a terrible start for him. It really has, and I'm not going to completely slaughter him as I've seen. 
other people do. Um, but he's certainly going to need to get up to scratch quite quickly because, you know, otherwise, what was the point of going on loan here if he's just going to come here and just make himself look worse than he was at Man City? You know, the point the point of him coming here was so that he could get himself into the England squad for the Euros. You know, the way he's playing at the moment, you wouldn't pick him. So he's got to really sort out his form, but then that applies to every single player, really, doesn't it? I mean, it's very hard, aside from Ariola to say anyone put in a shift at the weekend, so the whole the whole squad and team needs to have a long, hard look at themselves. They need to sit down this week. You know, they've got a, an extended period until the next game, slightly extended because it's on Monday. You know, they've got to sit down and they've got to watch tapes and videos and come up with a, with a solution to this. And we've got to pray... And I mean, pray that Pakita is fit enough to come back as well, because I know you can't pinpoint everything on one player, but I do think not having him is a big miss as well. Well, it is, but I also think, and I have said this in a previous show as well, I think individuals get David Moyes out of trouble. And I actually think that you've pinpointed that and pinpointed my point is that we want Pakita back so that he can make a difference and maybe be a game changer and produce that winning goal, that winning pass. And this is an underlying concern as well, because that in itself papers over the cracks. Rather than having the likes of Kudus, Pakitar and Bowen and Antonio up front, now he's back, and making it a collective force going forward and a collective way of defending efficiently and getting that right balance in the side. I do believe that the individuals will nick points for David Moyes. And and ultimately keep him in a job. So yes, we want Pakitar back. Of course we do, because we do miss him. But I think that's this is what it's come down to now. Could you say that's the, could you say that's the same for any team though? If you took out with you Peps, if you look at Pep, you take out De Bruyne, Haaland, and I don't know Rodri or somebody. You know, if you did that to them, that would decimate them. If you did it to Arsenal, you took out I don't know Declan, um, Saka, and. Um, Austin Guard or whatever his name is Odegaard like if you took them out the same if you took Liverpool if you took Salah if you took out um, Nunes maybe and I don't know Jota or somebody you do that to every team it's going to be like that so I, I understand your point but I think that is the same for every club is it not? Well it depends how you look at it because with the teams that you've mentioned, yes, you've got Man City, you've got Arsenal, and, and even if you look at Chelsea, dare I say Tottenham maybe, can, can squeeze in there, and Liverpool certainly. You know, yes, they've got squads where other players can come in for those that are missing. And yes, of course, every team is going to miss their best player. But my point is, and this, this is the underlying point I'm trying to make here, is that with David Moyes, I don't think he has the intelligence to make a group of players tick collectively. I think he picks what he's, are his best 11 players. He sends them out on a Saturday or a Sunday. And, and with the focus of defending and not conceding, hopes that one of these players will be explosive on the counter-attack and nick a goal, subsequently nick a win. But these mm. teams that you're talking about don't play that way. They 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 can have someone come in for another top player first and foremost, but secondly, they're hard to play against, they're hard to defend against because they have a philosophy that is different to David Moyes. And I think it's a philosophy that has well and truly been found out in the Premier League now. 
Uh, it happened last season. We didn't have a great finish in the Premier League. And I think we're going to start to see a steady decline now. I do. And mm. I've said this previously as well, that his style of play, I don't think is sustainable. Now, one of the reasons we are still in the top eight is because we have nicked wins and we've nicked points. In tight games, and, and listen, this is the Premier League, so credit where credit's due. There's no easy game as such, but I just don't think it's sustainable, whether you've got your best players or not, to to be successful and and continuously strive for, for good things with this style of play. And that's my worry, really. And yes, we need packets of back. Of course we do. But I just think we're relying too much on individuals rather than those individuals coming in to make a part of a team that collectively is hard to beat. Because with mm. West Ham, historically under David Moyes, we've been hard to beat, but I don't think we have the balance of being really solid defensively, really good in attack, really good in terms of possession and, and justifying the amount of quality we've got in that side, you know? Um, mm. But I've got to go back to yet again, another refereeing decision X, because it, 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 do you know what? It's become the norm really on this show, talking about piss poor officiating and, um, and I thought it was harsh on Calvin. I, I've seen a bit of stick myself and, and I feel sorry for him because that second yellow card wasn't a second yellow card, in my opinion. Do you agree? Mm, yeah, I think so. I can see why the ref gave it, but I, I think when you look at both the yellow cards, both of them could have been avoided, really. And had it been, you know, a home game and it hadn't got their passionate crowd because he, he gave in to the, the crowd numerous times throughout the game, not just that yeah, he did. incident. As they yeah. often do. Yeah, because it was a passionate crowd. And I said to you, I admire them. You know, they remind me a little bit of Wolves. Wolves seem to be able to generate quite a good home atmosphere. And every other two times we've been to Nottingham Forest in no recent years since they've been in the Premier League, um, I thought their atmosphere has been really good. To be fair to them, one of the best home crowds uh, we come up against. <coughs> and he, he just got sucked into it, unfortunately. And, you know, I can see why you could argue both were bookings. But at the same time, I think both are soft. And I think you could quite easily have not sent him off there. Um, but and I, and I think if it had been a, a, a reverse fixture, you know, West Ham at home to Nottingham Forest, I'm not sure he would have been sent off. Mm. Well, one thing that is starting to irritate a lot of West Ham fans, myself included, again, I touched upon this on last week's show, are these delusional, patronising and quite honestly condescending post-match interviews from David Moyes. I said the same last week. Mm. And here are some snippets after the one he, he, he did against Forrest. And he said it was a tight game. No, it wasn't. He said the players showed great spirit. I don't think they did at all. Players done a terrific job in large parts of the game. No, they didn't. So firstly... I think he's absolutely delusional if he genuinely believes that bollocks. He literally must have been watching a different game. And then he says this. I think it'd be hard to say that there have been many better times at West Ham. Now, maybe maybe they want something different. But I think if they're honest, they have to say it's probably been as good a times as they've had at, had at the club regarding winning a trophy, the league positions. But maybe they've had, maybe they've had managers who, who excite them more, possibly. But the one who's sitting here wins more. Now, is that extremely arrogant, patronising and condescending, or is it just factual? Or is it both? It's certainly the first. It's very arrogant, condescending and patronising. I think 
dismissing the style of football and taking on the fans is never a good move. You know, we saw this with Allardyce previously and look look how that ended up. So I think it's a stupid move to take on the fans, particularly when the fans, you know, have put up banners and are starting to get quite vocal in their displeasure at his management. So to take them on is never going to solve the situation. It's only going to stoke the fire further. So I do think that was very questionable how he reacted like that. In terms of whether he's speaking the truth, I wouldn't say he's speaking the truth. He's certainly not speaking the truth right now. You know, he says the difference is I win. Well, mate, we haven't won in 2024, so you don't win at the moment. And in his long, long managerial career, how many trophies has he actually won? You know, yes, he won the one in the summer, but I don't know if he has won another trophy, has he? No, not like, in his career, he hasn't. No, no exactly. So. so this I win stuff, he's also got the most amount of losses in Premier League history as a manager, which is the flip side of it. And of course, he's managed more games than most. So there's always an argument to every side with every stat anyone froze but you know I, I think it was a very stupid thing to, for him to say I think he's got to be very very careful you know I understand him being a bit frustrated with the West Ham fans I don't agree with the banners and stuff that was shown at the game and I don't think you do either which we'll probably talk about in a minute but I don't agree with how the fans are treating him at the moment of course I understand fans being frustrated many are you know you look at the polls that you put out today and that other people have put out and just generally by being on some sort of pulse of what the general feeling is. You understand that the majority of the fans, it appears, want him out. Um, I feel that that's the way he's being treated. Is slight, is harsh, so I can understand why he's got his back up a bit. But I think he just someone needs to just take him to the side and say, "Listen, if you're going to approach this, yes, it, yes, you know, you might think it's unfair, but the best thing you can do is come out and say, look, I apologise to the West Ham fans. Results haven't been as I wanted them to be recently. You know, I'm disappointed as much as anyone, of course, I am, because this is my job, this is my reputation, this is my football team." Etc. Etc. Um, however, they haven't. They've not been good enough. I'm doing my best to sort it out. However, we are still, thankfully, in a good position in the league and the European competitions. So, if I can fix this soon, then we should still have a good season. Something like that would be fine. Mm-hmm. But when you take on the fans, like he has done, that confrontationally, then I don't think it's ever going to end well. No, exactly that. Um, I mean, I look at what you said there. And listen, I don't think it's ever easy to come out on the back of a result you're disappointed with or a performance that's been shit and face the media. It must be the last fucking thing these managers want to do Mm. in the world to to have to do that. And it must be painful at times to be have to do that. Um, But at the same time, the fact that he didn't come out and say something exactly like you just said shows to me that he's probably very, very frustrated. I mean, he's, he's typically quite cool, calm and collected consistently with his reactions. But at the same time, I don't know, he has this subtle way of saying things in a, in a tone of voice that just doesn't sit well with me. I mean, I'll answer my own question, whether it's it's arrogant, patronising and condescending or whether it's factual or is it both? I actually think it is both. Because if you look at my life and our life, we're a similar age as West Ham fans, you might have had the odd season of success. And then obviously there was Europe under Redknapp and we got to an FA Cup final under Pardew and last season at the bowling was brilliant, etc. And there was a playoff wins. But 
I think consistently and collectively in a small period of time, I can't remember there being a better time. You know, mm. we finished sixth, then we finished seventh. We got to Europa League semi-final, which was an incredible achievement. We won the Conference League, which was a competition I think we should have won because the way the stars aligned and the, the opposition that we faced. But granted, he still won it, so credit to him. Um, and yes, there has been a decline since. But he is being factual with what he's saying, the success he has brought to West Ham, not to mention the shit he got us out of after the Pellegrini era. So yes, it's factual. I think it's both. He's not lying. But I can't stand the way he constantly lives in the past. And for me, that shows a bit of insecurity in him, I think. So yeah. I have to keep referencing the past to remind people as to why he should still be here. I mean, he constantly wants to remind West Ham fans that we should be so grateful to to have even competed for a trophy, let alone win one. This is the way he comes across. And I think he's doing what neutrals and pundits do on a regular basis. And that's disrespecting the size of our club and what our expectations should be. I mean, to me, when Moyes says shit like, I don't know, when he says shit like that in that tone, it says... I don't know, it feels to me like he's saying, get back in your box, West Ham fans. You're all deluded. If it wasn't for me, you'd still be in the championship by now. You should be eternally grateful for the masterclass that I brought your football club in recent years. And, you know, in fact, there should be a fucking statue of me outside the stadium because I'm that much of a godsend to your shitty little club, you know? And I know I'm, I'm obviously being highly exaggerated here, but that's how it kind of makes me feel when he makes these comments. It gives mm. me the ump. And it just, I don't know, in his own subtle little way... I think he almost sends a subliminal message to West Ham fans that you should be fucking grateful I'm here and, and don't ever forget what I've done for you. And I don't like that. And I don't like the fact that neutrals and pundits constantly look at West Ham like we are an overachieving football club. Because we're not. We've done well in recent years, but this is what we should be doing. You know, so mm. I don't like the post-match interviews from David Moyes. Yes, I sympathise with the fact that he has to do them. It can't be easy. But do you know what? If he could just control his emotions a little bit and say the right things, it might diffuse the flames a little bit. And I don't think he's doing that very well at the moment, <laughs> which might actually suggest that emotionally and psychologically, he might be struggling a little bit with this yeah. job because it almost feels like it is intangible at the moment this job I mean I think like like I said earlier he didn't handle that press conference well at all and I've given the example I would have tried to say if it was me but as you've said in the heat of the moment when things are against you you've just walked off the pitch of people waving Moyes out banners and West Ham fans seeing sacked in the morning and stuff you know I, I whilst I don't accept what he said and I agree it's not right and he says the wrong things. He did win us that trophy at the start of June. You know, yeah, it's February now, but he must sometimes think, you know, and I know we know this, but he has done a lot for the club. And this is where I have a bit of an issue with the whole banners and stuff. Like, I accept he can't keep going on about what he's done, and he definitely didn't handle that interview very well. But, you know, when you look at what he has done for his club, he has done a lot. And... I, I, I do have this part of me that feels a bit sorry for him and also questions how other managers that we laud as greats, you know, Lyle and Greenwood, for example, and to a large scale, Harry Redknapp, had they been around in this modern era, I just don't think they would have got the time and patience that they had. And they played football though, X. 
They played yeah, but, football, and that, yeah, and that was important to West Ham fans. It, it, it was, but it is. And when you say that, mate, that's fair enough. But when I watched the Premier League, and I had this conversation with my mate the other day, actually the other day, he's a Norwich season ticket holder, and we were talking about how football, even at that scale, at that level, at championship level, is just not what it used to be. I, I honestly genuinely believe that football, you know, we talk about the West Ham way and stuff, a quick attack and stuff, but I don't think that that football exists that much anymore. I think Pep and all his disciples have been very much built football around possession-based football, where it's much better to string 30 passes together in your own half and get nowhere than it is to, I don't know, maybe three passes and quickly get an attack together. And for me, I find the old football more exciting. I'm not saying Moyes' style of football is good. It's not. And I spent many a game, certainly in the last two years, bored. You know, I actually fell asleep. In the Arsenal game, I mean, that that in itself is ridiculous. Um, And so, yeah, the style of football is not great. I genuinely think the style of football is like that for a lot of teams and whoever comes in, like when Moyes does go, I feel he's going to have to play a really exciting brand of football, get results and have a, and has a very high bar to fill when they come in. And I'm not saying that I don't agree with the fans that are criticising Moyes because I do. I go to these games, you know, I've, I've missed I've missed a single game all season, have I? From the top of my memory. The only game I've missed all season is back at Apollo away. That's the only game I've missed all season. So I'm travelling all over Europe and the country to watch this team and pay my money and give up my weekends. So I am entitled to my opinion. And I am, I believe the football is poor. I think the performances are poor at the moment. But, you know, when you've, you've just said there, factually, he is successful. We've had the best seasons I've ever had as a West Ham fan. Uh, and I'm at the point now where it, I'm undecided on whether Moyes should be the manager or not. But I certainly don't believe that giving him the shit that we saw at Nottingham Forest is the right thing to do to a manager that has achieved things at the club. Well, I remember saying to you in the car, I mean, listen, I, I, for a long time now, I've wanted David Moyes out. But, but I would be prepared to suffer the football if it gets results. And I've said a trillion times on this show, if he doesn't get the results, then it's going to come on top for him a lot more than it would do any other manager because we're having to watch shit football and get shit results. But that said, I wouldn't want the man humiliated. I wouldn't want the man feeling like shit. I would still expect and want a certain amount of respect given to him because of what he has done for West Ham. Um, so I've, I've kind of got mixed emotions with this a little bit. Uh, and we'll, we'll come on to, you know, what, what the future should hold for David Moyes shortly. Um, but yeah, I, I, listen, I think you make some valid points there. I do. I, I, I also think that with West Ham fans, it's very easy to palm it off as, well, you just want exciting football. Unless a manager plays that way, then, you know, th- there's no hope for him. But I think I also made this point to you in the car coming home as well, is that when you look at the last season at the Bolin under Slaven Bilic, we finished, I think from memory, it was seventh. Well, I think that was a more entertaining season than it was when we finished sixth under David Moyes. And and actually, if you look at that season, we should have at least got to the FA Cup final and probably won it because we we got knocked out by a Man United side that were in disarray, really, compared to the Man United of old. And then when you look at the teams that were left, we were better than they were. So that was a great opportunity to to win the FA Cup that season. We blew that. We also were only a few games away from qualifying for the Champions League. 
And then we absolutely fluffed it from memory, I think, against Swansea at home when we lost 4-1. So that was an opportunity missed. So there were there were frustrations hidden within that season. But one thing that West Ham had that season was identity. And we had a set of bollocks on us. And we loved playing football. And we would have a go at anyone. And and, yeah. I, and I do think that is part of what West Ham fans want and demand and believe is in our DNA. Quite possibly, but that was also coupled with the fact that it was the last season at Upton Park, which carried a whole new level of that in itself, just because it of the occasion. It did. it did, but then would we have would we have played that football under David Moyes that season? Possibly not. No, we've got I don't those know. results we got. We've got the but then, scouts we got. But then when when you look at when David Moyes first came in, and like, listen, I, I get shit every single week. It'd be so much easier for me just to let's just stick here on the podcast and slag that man off. It would be so much easier, you know. Even at the ga- ground, I've got people making comments to me about David Moyes. Now I would. Uh, it's so much easier for me to sit here and just slag him off. Uh, job done, and then everyone. Oh, go, yeah, Right, it? it is hard to mount a defence, but what I can mount a defence on here is that when we had Lingard and he came in and when David Moyes first came in and we got fifth and sixth in the league and stuff and we won 3-0 at Leon <coughs> and we beat um, Seville at, Sevilla at home, that was good football as well. So you're going back to Billich's years and saying it was good football then. There was good. There's been good football under David Moyes. Yes, there hasn't in recent this season. Probably not. But then even the win at Tottenham was exciting. The win at Arsenal was exciting. Beating was it Chelsea at home? Beating Man United at home. They were exciting games. So yes, I'm not saying it's amazing the whole time. It certainly isn't. I am bored a lot of the time. But I just think to pick out certain games years ago when we were exciting and then dismissed that there's been no exciting times after that and under David Moyes is not right I think there has been no I mean listen I'm I'm boring myself with my next point because I've said it so many times now to a point where I've got to stop using this word but the problem is if you look at that amazing night in Lyon Look at the the possession percentage. And I know you're going to interrupt me straight away and say, well, surely it's all about the result, right? But let me finish. You look at the game against Arsenal that we won. Um, Look at the possession and and the shots, respectively, for both sides. Look at when we beat Brighton and finally beat our bogey side away from home. We got absolutely fucking battered. And my point is, yes, that is all that matters if you get the result, but it's not sustainable. You can't keep playing that way. You will get the odd win. You will. But the longer you play with that philosophy, the more predictable you become, the more boring you you become to watch, and the more you're going to put yourself in trouble. And and also the bigger picture that we've mentioned a thousand times in this podcast as well is that good top-quality flair players that like playing football don't want to play in a system like that. They don't want to play football that way. So then that's not playing football. You know, the likes of Kudus, Pakitar, Bowen, they're better than just getting the odd chance in the game and being explosive on a counter-attack that focuses purely on a defensive system, regardless of who you play, because it just seems like a one-trick pony. And that's, that's the problem, is that, you know, on the one hand, we're not getting the results now, but on the other hand, we're fucking painful to watch whilst not getting results. And I'll be the first to say, listen, I'll suffer it. Because if we get results and we, and we win a European trophy, not being the most attractive on the eye, I'll take it all day long. But when we don't, it just becomes ten times worse, you know. And this is a this is the problem I think he's got. And and the sad thing I think 
I think, when you look at David Moyes now, is that uh, the relationship between him and the fans have been strained for quite a long time now, but it really looks like it's becoming quite fractured. Which oh, I yeah. I mean, he's, he's he, yeah, he is. And, he's, and let's be honest, it's very unlikely he's going to recover from this because, you know, you look at it, he, he did win a trophy in June regardless of whatever caveats people want to throw at that. He did. It's factual. It is the first trophy we've won in all those years. We yep. are fa- factually sitting eighth in the league. Uh, sorry, ninth in the league now, ninth after Brighton's day, uh, and not far off getting seventh or eighth. We are factually sitting in the next round of the Europa League and still there's people with the boys out banners the minute there's a period in the league again where results have dropped off I'm not saying performances because yes you could argue performances haven't been great for a while but performances have dropped off and you're getting banners out again there was banners at Fulham away last year there's banners out at Notts Forest away um, so yeah the future for David Moyes is very very hard to recover from this point because the, it does, even if we went on a great run now we went on a great run let's just say hypothetically Hypothetically, we got a great run. We finish, I don't know, sixth, and we, I don't know, get to the semi-finals final or win the, the Europa League. Yes, I can't see that happening. I can't, but let's just say hypothetically it does. We'll all celebrate it. We'll all say, there'll be, people will say, oh, look, boys has done that again. And then come the next season, we'll go, it will start off. If we, if it does, if, if there's a period where it doesn't go well, it will start again. It will, because he's just got this, this element of the fan base now, uh, that regardless of whatever happens, we'll just want him out. And we saw that when things were going well, there was people still calling for him to go. So in some ways, there is almost no point carrying on with him. Because the fan base is so fractured now, and I, and I think it's important to say that I think that this situation has also been created by the board, and I give you two reasons for that. Okay, there's lots of reasons, but two reasons predominantly. And Tony Cotty alluded to this on the podcast we did with him last week. Firstly, January, there should have been backing under Allardyce when we were on the brink of Champions League. There, sh- there wasn't backing then. There hasn't been backing in January. We got a, a lone player for a position that we didn't need. We needed left wingers. We needed forwards and probably a centre-back, right? Ideally, if you were going to prioritise positions, we got none of them. We sold, th- well, we loaned two players out um, in Kera and Ben Rama. And then we sold four nails and we brought in a lone player. We've got the smallest squad in the Premier League in terms of established first team players. We've also got the oldest squad in the Premier League in terms of age, average age. So we should have brought someone in in January. So yes, you can blame Moyes for the way we're playing and stuff, but that's also something that should have happened. Part of that might be Moyes. You know, Moyes is known for like divering or whatever you want to call it. So part of that could be on him. But the other thing as well is in May or June, whenever it was, we won that trophy. They should have made a decision on David Moyes then. They should have said, right, the guys brought us our first trophy. That's what we're going with. We're really proud of that achievement. He's done a great job for us. There's a three-year contract. Or they should have said, we won the trophy. You know, we expected to win that trophy. The style of football is not good enough. And we don't think it's sustainable. So we're going to release him now. But they didn't. They've given it a limbo situation, which yeah. has created all of this 
camps of Moyes in and Moyes out. It's created it, and it is, it's driving me mad. It's absolutely crazy how toxic it's got. You know, you, you, I show, we were, where we were sitting in the ground on Friday, you have people screaming at the top of their voice, oh, I can't believe you. And I can't say the word because my kids are near the door, but CUNTS is, you that could back this, you absolutely, like almost more than since they fight each other out, outside Sheffield United. Uh, was it no Bristol City? It was Bristol City away. We saw people fighting each other over Moyes in, Moyes out. It's just got to a ridiculous state now where people are so divided. And I think that has not been caused by David Moyes because obviously David Moyes is going to have um, any manager is going to have their backers and their and their critics. It's been caused by the board for creating this uncertainty, and it's ridiculous. It really is. Statistically, he is the most successful manager, so you should back him on that. But also on the flip side, the style of football, his his relationship with the fans and the league performance last season wasn't good enough. So you could sack him on that. So you've got two clear decisions. This limbo state that we're still currently in, by the way, because he's not going to get the sack tonight or tomorrow. He will still be the manager for um, Brentford and probably beyond that. It's not good. And this has caused all these problems. And I just can't stand this sort of toxic state that we are in, in a season when we could be playing AC Milan at the San Siro in a few weeks' time, which is just literally my dream. As a West Ham fan, as being a AC Milan, sort of as my Italian team, potentially, obviously, depending on the draw, we could get them or another big European side while still pushing for another European spot in the league. It shouldn't be this toxic, but it, but it is. And I think you have to put that down to the board. A large responsibility to them. Yeah, I mean, the board have been getting a lot of stick as well. And um, and I do understand that, you know, the lack of investment and the lack of investment in January as well. I totally understand that. Um, I do also think that no one is, is very quick to credit the board when they do oh, something no. well. They've done, it. They've and, done and, a great time. They've are, done but, well. People couldn't be quick enough to fucking smash life out of them when, when something hasn't gone well. And again, you Same know... Same as David this, Moyes, though. Yeah, but yeah, but then but then I think that's a bit of a contradiction because on this very show, we've said David Moyes needs so much credit for the recruitment because he, apparently, is the one that signs off on players coming in. So then is he also not responsible for not bringing in other players yeah. other than Calvin Phillips and also responsible for letting... Uh, ben Rama and Four Nails go when he no, probably should have done because he hasn't got replacements in that area. So, oh, what is oh. it? Osman was the one that they that they wanted to sign that was all signed off and then that came and him and um, Jota and neither of those signings came over the line because we got advice from a, a ex, external intermediary that's not David Moyes' right. fault and, and, and the thing is look it's not just the board's fault of course it's the same situation with David Moyes the board should be crediting the good times and cr- criticising the bad times oh, but again the players as well could be Labelled the same way. I Ooh. just, I just, I don't know. I just don't understand why this football club that we all love, you know, me, you, everyone that's listening to this show, we love this team, how it can turn so toxic. And it's not the first time that this has happened. You know, it's happened over the board before. Look at the Burnley protest. There's the obvious one, you know, that you could say it's justified. Fair enough. But it has happened. It's happened over big, uh, over Sam Allardyce. It's happened over Mark Noble. You know, I remember fans arguing about him, whether he's good enough or not for the team. Kevin Nolan, you know, it's just, it just goes on and on and on. And maybe all fans. Are we the problem then? 
Well, I don't know. I'm not saying we are necessarily, possibly, but I, I don't know what this, what, how this situation is created. I don't know if it's the same at other teams. You know, it would appear that it is at Arsenal because Arsenal's, you take a glimpse of Arsenal fan TV and it seems that way. So maybe it is just the way it is now, but I don't know. When I've watched West Ham in the championship, as many times as I have, and I've seen West Ham relegated, and I've seen West Ham fight against relegation. Yes, these last results have been in equally disappointing as that, but overall, the situation is nowhere near as depressing as that. And it, I don't know, it's just, I find it, I don't know what the word is, upsetting maybe that it is so toxic when actually the black and whites of it aren't as bad as, as it would seem. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, it is It is very sad when you look at it like that. And again, it is the the black and whites versus when you tap into it and you look at some of the, the flaws and the issues and the bigger picture. I, I get all that. There's a, there's an ongoing debate. Look, I, I don't think David Moyes is the right fit for West Ham. I don't think this club will ever truly reach its full potential under the current ownership. And I also make you right that from, you know, more more than they should do um, or more than they are doing, the players need to take more accountability because, yeah. I, I, you know, at the very least, if they don't like the style of playing the philosophy, at least give 110% for that yeah. badge on your chest well, and the fact pay your wages. And more often than not, in recent times, they don't. And that's no. inexcusable. You know, yes, you can talk about Moyes motivating those players and maybe the lack of it. But as a professional and as a man carrying pride and as someone that competes and wants to win, you shouldn't need to be motivated before a Premier League game. No. You, that, that should come naturally. And it's really unforgivable that the players are hiding behind all this fucking shit as well because they, they are the ones. I mean, I couldn't, I would have died from embarrassment if I'd have walked off that pitch against Arsenal or mm. got tanked when we threw the fucking game at Liverpool or mm. got humiliated at Fulham away or put, turned out that absolute fucking shower of shit against um, Forrest at the weekend, you know? But how mm. much do these players care? You know, mm. yes, they're very good when they're knowing where the cameras are on them and they want to keep their heads down and give a solitary little applause to the fans that have made the journey. But when they're back in the dressing room, are they fucking about, you know? when As soon as they leave the stadium, are they on the front of their mates having banter and not really giving a shit? Because they're not West Ham fans. They're professional footballers that are paid to play for West Ham. And you speak to the likes of Mad Dog, who's, who's far more credible than I am to give his opinion on that. He will tell you the players are hurting. And I'd probably lean towards the fact that they are. But if you were hurting that much, why the next week would you not give 110% to put right your wrongs in the previous game? Mm. And they haven't been doing it. 
No, do you know something I saw today? And I hadn't actually even thought of this as a concern. It literally went over my head. But as you're speaking, it just popped into my head. And now I'm not quite sure how I feel about it now. Now that I, now that I feel like my blood pressure's going up a bit. So maybe I'm being a bit, <laughs> a, bit a bit irrational here. But, yeah. you know, you know, Alvarez, uh, and unless I've read it wrong, I'm pretty sure I did read it right. And I'm, I put my hands up and I stayed corrected if I'm wrong. But he was at Ajax today on the pitch getting an award where he was on the pitch getting a big round of applause from all their fans. Was now, it? Yeah. Now, I, what the I don't, fuck are you doing there? Well, let me just check I've got this right because I don't want to sort of say that and then be completely wrong. But I'm pretty sure I saw someone tweet that today. Um, and uh, Let's have a look if I can find it. And, um, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Like, it's on the back. If, if that's happened, if is the key word here, then, again, what's he doing Going there and and getting that award on the back of a defeat, you should probably say to so Ajax, look, West Ham have not done very well. It don't look great for the fans. Let's just put this off until you know until we've won at least won a game or something like that. That's the strangest thing. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm trying to search it now. I should have probably yeah. Look here it is, Ajax. There's a video of him shaking hands. Ajax paid tribute to Edison Alvarez at the Johan Cruyff Arena to say goodbye to him as he deserves after breaking it. And here he is giving high fives to all his ex-teammates in this video. And then, yeah, Edison Alvarez getting emotional as the uh, as the Johan Cruyff Arena thanks him for his years as Ajax. So he's crying on the pitch here. What and, the actual fuck is that uh, about? That's yeah, like West Ham calling Declan Rice back now and yeah, giving it a send-off. No, I mean, look, I understand there are cultural differences with different countries, but on what fucking planet is that normal? I know. There you go. I mean, I, I didn't actually, when I read it, I didn't really think much of it. But as you were talking then, and we were saying, do the players care or not? I mean, I'm really, yeah, it's definitely happened. Because there's tweets, there's loads of tweets about it. And I'm wow. Looking through them now. Yeah, Fuck me. Fuck thinks, me. This fucking football club, mate, honestly. It, it, exactly. If Cal Antonio making a cunt of himself with Cal and fucking Wilson doing podcasts, or Declan Rice fucking laughing his bollocks off with Mason Mount after losing to Chelsea, then it's shit like this. I mean, I just don't understand how we get it so fucking wrong. It's so annoying. Honestly, yeah. these things are, are are easily fixed, and there are there are professional people that get paid decent money to install some common sense into these fucking people and advise mm. what you should and shouldn't be doing. How's he allowed to go and be publicly displayed in an emotional state because of his affection for another fucking football club on the back of? him going through a terrible period with, with the club that he's just signed for. No. It, the I fucking know. world's gone mad, honestly. I know. I this is know what... that, and that's fucking wound me up even more now. <laughs> yeah, well, I see. I don't know why I didn't really take it in, but as my blood pressure's going, it just sort of, and you were talking about doing the players' care, I was trying to picture what they'd be up to today, uh, today and I was going through in my head what they'd be up to, and I was thinking, hold a minute, I've seen that Alfred was at, um, at Ajax getting thanked on the pitch. So, you know, th- this is wow. this is, this is is the situation that we're in, and I think if you was to ask me now whether Moyes is the right man for the job I, I, I'm going to say that I'm uncertain at the moment I'm a Moyes neutral is probably the best way to describe it I think if you was to give me the ultimate decision and I and I had to make a decision today based on the remainder of this season I would probably say that I would give Moyes at least a few more games to see whether he can turn this around but I think the more this goes on and the more we have these periods and the more the fans 
are getting the way they are towards him. I just don't see that he can be the manager next year. And and this could we could find ourselves in a really ridiculous situation. And again, it's very hypothetical, but we could we could get into Europe again through the league. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. It doesn't look like it at the moment based on current performances, but we could, and we could win the Europa League. Again, I don't think we will at this stage, but we could. Imagine if we get rid of a manager that then, after winning the Conference League last year, then goes and wins the Europa League. It's a really strange situation to be in, really, and one that should have been solved at the end of the last season by giving him a contract or not giving him a contract. But at the moment, I'm very very neutral to the situation because I think he's got a lot against him now so that stops him from being able to carry on with this job and of course I've got massive question marks as to whether a new manager could do better you know you think if you get a new manager in and you look at that squad I still don't think the squad's potentially as good as we like to think it is but you've still got kudos Bowen, Pacatar, Alvarez you know Phillips possibly that are all good players that should be able to do better. So it's a very tough dilemma at the moment, but I, you know, it's a, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is really. Mm. Well, let's hear what a few of our patrons had to say after the forest game. David Moyes signing his own death warrant, defining what Albert Einstein said, that the definition of insanity is doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results. Clearly the man has lost the plot. And he's begging to be sacked. Come on, Sally, do the right thing. Enough's enough. Yet again, Agard and Zuma in our defence. And if it wasn't for Ariola, it would have been another Tonkin. Um, we really do have major problems with Moyes. And it wasn't any surprise that the Forest fans were shouting sacked in the morning. 229 games. <clears throat> That's how many games he'll have managed us for, minimum by the end of this season if he stays nobody deserves that I think this is the beginning of the end guys maybe that's what we need to take uh, solace in you know he said recently in an interview that he's an, he admitted to being an ultra cautious manager he said the thing that he's concerned about is not losing his job that's that's what motivates him that, that's why he comes out in these interviews and says look at what we did you know look at where we were look at where we are in the league look at what, what, what we what we did last season blah 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 it's all Rhetoric, just in aid of keeping his job. That's how he's managed us since day one. Yeah, there's been some good times, but it's been painful on the whole, let's face it. But I'm taking solace. There's no way we're having more fight than Brentford. There's no way we're having more fight than Everton. We're not even going to have more fight than Fulham. Imagine if you're in that squad and you're in a malaise. <clears throat> Who's, what, how, how do you get out of that? A manager who then comes to you and says, right, guys, we're setting up to not, not to lose this game. How's that getting you up for the fight? It's not getting you up for the fight. You can see it in the players. I don't blame an individual player out there. No, I, I, I think they've gone. I think their heads have gone. And I don't think Moyes can motivate them anymore. But actually, you know, I don't want to see my team lose. Boy, do I not want to see my team lose. It, you know, it's been embarrassing and it's been painful. But I want him gone now. <laughs> I've wanted it on and off over. You know, we say these things, we probably go and put a run together. But you'll get another contract if he starts getting wins. I don't want another year of David Moyes. So... Fingers crossed this ends soon and we get our West Ham back. Yeah, quick voice uh, note to summarise uh, David Moyes and the West Ham performance today. Well, we 
ran a poll on Patreon asking the question, what would you do with David Moyes? With four simple options. Sack him now and appoint an interim manager. Sack him at the end of the season, then appoint a permanent replacement. Give him more time or give him a new contract. And I think before we played that audio clip, X, you kind of alluded to the fact you'd give him a little bit more time. Um, so. and, and you know what? I, I, I've, I've, I've given this some thought as well. And again, I remember saying to you in the car on the way home, that I'm a little bit a little bit more relaxed this season than I was last season because whilst I'm categorically of the mindset that I don't want David Moyes at West Ham and he's not the future and I just don't think he's a good match for West Ham. Unless we're in a relegation battle, then I would give him until the end of the season and I would suffer. I would suffer the 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 dross that we're watching at the moment and the frustrations. Um, as long as we are not in trouble and we're still in that European competition, right? But then, uh, do you know what? I, I've had a real tug of war in my mind because my my trail of thought when I try and answer my own poll that I created today is I'm not sure because would an interim manager give us a better chance of qualifying for Europe via the Premier League? Because typically, and I do mean typically, an interim manager isn't a top-class manager, it's someone maybe internally at the football club that takes over or someone that might be out of a job and has been out of a job for a while. So you're not necessarily talking about your very, very top target coming in as an interim manager. So is there an interim manager, even within the club or outside the club, that would give us a better chance of qualifying for Europe via the Premier League? Would an interim manager give us a better chance of winning the Europa League? Is there a top quality manager out there that's available now? Or realistically, will those targets only become available in the summer, like I say? Um, <clears throat> this is what kind of confuses me a little bit, because I think, you know what? In the Premier League, I think David Moyes has been found out. I do think he's a one-trick pony. I think his style of play and philosophy is 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 easy to break down. I would imagine every single PowerPoint presentation that's presented to a team, either playing at home to West Ham or playing away to West Ham, as a very simple way of breaking down the way we play. So I think we've been found out. Then again, have we been found out in Europe? Are we predictable in Europe? Because we if don't you know yet, do we? Europe, well, yeah, but we don't. But you, you look at his record in Europe, X, and it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, you know, he, he got to the Europa League semi-final, which was an incredible achievement. In the following season, he got to the Conference League and fucking won it. He's also broken the amount of unbeaten games this club has had in Europe. He, to me, doesn't seem like he has been found out in Europe. So mm -hmm. actually, is there a better manager to carry on the Europa League campaign than David Moyes? Well, this so, is it. And, I, and, I, and in my mind... Do you know what? Yes, my, my heart probably says, fuck him off now, get someone in. But then actually my head is telling me, would that person necessarily do a better job in the Premier League and the Europa League? Or should we just hedge our bets with David Moyes, look at it at the end of the season and then win, lose or draw, to be honest, shake his hand, thank you from everything, and then go out and get a top target in the summer? I think I'm, I'm leaning towards the latter, you know. It's actually nice to hear you say that, to be honest with you, because sometimes I feel like I'm on my own with having that sort of rationale um, at times. So it is nice to hear someone else say something along those lines. Now, 
the way I see it is is that it's hard to say that either way because it's all hypothetical again. One well, person, we could go out in the next round, of course. Because, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. We could also have some very tough games coming up. So uh, yeah, yeah, and one one name that uh, springs to my mind, and I, I think people are going to literally sort of divide the radio, the your car that you're journey on, or your walks, or your dog, or your gym activity <laughs> right now. But what I'm about to say, but the one person that is out of work at the moment has a proven record of winning things on a temporary basis could come in and has a lot to prove that may be able to do that is Jose Mourinho. Maybe, maybe. No, uh, I've all... Just quickly, X, on that yeah. point, do you know what's interesting as well, right? So my point was very much centred around the fact that, you know, David maybe David Moyes' philosophy and his style of play is more successful in Europe than it is domestically in the Premier League. Now, it's yeah. often been said that Jose Mourinho has the same style of play. Yeah, exactly. Which so is what, what he do the season before West Ham won the Conference League. Yeah, won it himself. Yeah, and this, but so this, but the thing with saying him is that I don't think he is the long term solution to West Ham. This is no. the, the silly thing because a because of his age. Now he's getting sort of he's not old, but he's obviously not a young coach. He's also been around the block a bit now. Probably been found out again. Style of football is predominantly like David Moyes is in negative. He often falls out with his players as well um, and often gets the sack eventually from whatever club he's at so I'm not sure long term he is the right guy but if you're talking about someone to come in and give you a chance of winning a trophy there probably isn't that many better than him but as you said with David Moyes like there's still there's still a, like you say a fight a, a good chance that we could do really well in the Europa League you, you can sit there and say no we're shit we're rubbish we're not going to but that's hyper as he is saying, whether we can win it or not, we just don't know at the moment. So you have to weigh up the decision as whether you take the risk that he is or you take the risk that he isn't. Um, and, and that's the decision that the board have been left with. Now, what I'd like to ask you, though, interestingly, is because obviously you're sort of, you just said it there, airing on the side of keeping him to the end of the season. Yeah, essentially. And then make it and then make a decision at the end. What happens, though, Dave, if he does get. 7th or 8th, or even just take that out of it. Let's just say we finish 13th, 14th, whatever, but we win the Europa League. So he's then won the Conference League and then the Europa League and got us into the Champions League for the first time in our history. Do you still think yeah, you get rid of him at the end of the season then? The, the reason in my heart I feel that that's such a hypothetical question, and, and it shouldn't be such a But that's a why you're saying question. you're keeping him, though, because you think he might be able to. Well, I, I think we've got a better... Well, I think we've got a better shot, maybe. And, and, and it's just a theory that I had, that because of his European success, um, is there anyone out there on an interim basis that can that can maybe deliver against that better than David Moyes could? I still think, collectively, even if he wins the Europa League, and these are the crazy times we live in as West Ham fans, if he wins the Europa League and qualifies West Ham for the fucking Champions League, I still think that... His style of play and his philosophy at Premier League level, at domestic cup competition level, is is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It's not enjoyable to watch. It but, causes a problem with the fans. It causes a problem in the long term with the attendances at that stadium. It will cause a long term problem with the players that want to play under him. Yes, we would. Let's just let's humour ourselves and say we win the Europa League, right? Unbelievable achievement. I still don't think David Moyes 
is the right fit for West Ham. <laughs> see, this is where it gets a bit like I know ridiculous. I want to right keep him to maybe see if he can have a crack at it. But at the end of the season, even if he even if he won it. I collectively speaking, I just don't see how for the mid to long term his position is tenuable. So it? let's just say, let's just say ultimately he stays up. The league positions are relevant. Yeah, we just finished somewhere in the league where we don't qualify for Europe or yeah. where we don't go down, I'll right? So. 10. Yeah, yeah just go for 10 for the sake of arguments, right? And then he wins the Europa League. Yeah, I I find it so hard in my head to think, because I get your point. I do get your point because we're at this situation yet again with David Moyes where we're questioning whether he's the right man for the job and for the fan base to be so adamant that it's not, he's not the right man for the job, then, you know, it's re- there's obviously a strong opinion that he's not the right man for the job and that's got to have come from somewhere. So, you know, to, to, to dismiss that... Is not right, but I find it so hard if the man wins a conference league, then the Europa League, to say he's not good enough because we've never done it before in our history. It'd be a huge achievement if you said to any West Ham fan at the start of the season, and I'm sure some will say no, I wouldn't say that, but if you're being realistic, if you said to a a West Ham fan at the start of the season, you're gonna win, um, you're going to stay up, you'll be fine, no danger of relegation, um, but you're going to win the Europa League and you're going to get into the Champions League. We would all take that. I'm oh, sure we would. I'm sure Absolutely. we would. So to then sack him on the back of doing that just just sounds ridiculous. And I know the reasons for it, the style of football and et cetera, et cetera. I know what the argument is. Believe me, I've heard them so many times. But it just seems ridiculous. And you can understand why fans and pundits of other clubs would look at us and think, what the fuck is wrong with their fans? You know, if that actually happened. Because, you know, that would make us one of the most successful clubs in English football because you know Man City yes win everything but that's because they've got untold finances Liverpool win things because they're the biggest club one of the biggest clubs in the country United haven't won anything for ages Arsenal win the odd cup here and there but we would be literally the most one of the most successful teams in English football uh, from a club that isn't the big top six big clubs we're hoping to get there but roughly in terms of size I know our ground capacity puts us up there but in terms of trophies and all the factors you take in to make whether we're a big club or not we're probably what eighth ninth maybe in the Premier League so for us to win that would be huge and I just find it such a surreal situation that there would even be a question that we would sack him on the back of winning the Europa League but I know yeah. I know I know the argument and I know what people will be shouting at me right now as the reasons for it but it just when you look at it again as facts it's just very very bizarre that we are in this situation and you know I will be doing this podcast probably till, till the day we go to a, a box in the ground so we will be talking about future managers and I'm guaranteeing you now I'll put it in I'll put it in words we will be in this situation with other managers very quickly in terms of wanting them out, I'm sure of it, and it will happen regularly. I just think it's something we do as well. Well, and I also think if that is to be believed, 
then that will the buck will stop with with gold, uh, not gold obviously, but Sullivan. It will come from the ownership level because you know whilst we could be in a much worse position as a football club than under the ownership of David Sullivan, and that is a fact. I mean, there are clubs that have been gone into administration and disappeared on the back of their poor ownership. Not only have we not looked at that situation for a hell of a long time, but we're stable, financially secure. You know, love it or hate it, we're in a very big stadium that sells tickets left, right, and centre week in week out. You know, we're a big club, West Ham. Make no fucking mistake about it. And I wouldn't have any other um, neutral or pundit tell us any other way. And I actually think that when you listen to these neutrals and these pundits, they constantly disrespect West Ham and put us down and talk about how we should be grateful for what we're achieving. Actually, when you look at the likes of Newcastle, you know, the new owners have barely fucking decorated their office and they're qualifying for the Champions League. Why shouldn't that be West Ham? Why shouldn't it be? I mean, yes, yep. of course, you can argue if we had new ownerships, new structure, a new strategy, then yes, this club could go to the next level. And with that, a really good appointment at managerial level. Yes, and we can be, we, we can take that forward. Yes, I agree, X. It is surreal we're having this conversation. But then at the same time, if you just shelve all of the problems that West Ham fans have with David Moyes at the moment, and you just look at the fact that maybe, first of all, it's, it's a genuine, I think, disbelief that, we could win the Europa League this season because I think people have lost confidence in David Moyes. But even if he does win it, maybe the general feeling is that he would have peaked. Like when Claudio Ranieri won the Premier League with Leicester City. What the fuck does he do with that club from there on? He ain't going to go on to win the Champions League or win the Premier League again. So maybe it's a case of celebrating him and moving on to take this club to the, the, the next chapter. Maybe and I think it is. That would but be very much him peaking if, the, if that was the case. Maybe that's a fair point, but you mentioned Newcastle, and you know, Newcastle sit one point above us in the league right now, mm. and they don't sit in, and they're knocked out of Europe. All right, it was the Champions League, but they were knocked out of Europe. So actually, you know, the, Newcastle haven't, you know, they, got, they qualified for the Champions League that season, but now they're regressing, yet they're still holding on to their manager. Uh, at the moment for the time being and you know I just I don't know it's just a very surreal situation I think we'll always have this debate with David Boys and that therefore pushes me to thinking his position is almost becoming untenable now because yeah, because because of the way his the, the the fans are towards him and whether I agree with it or not that is the facts and you know I can't sit here and tell ninety percent or whatever the polls are showing now that are unhappy with Moyes that they're wrong and and I'm right or whatever I can't do that because obviously the, the you know you, you, these people believe that and have as much of a credible opinion as I do but I just find the whole situation just very very surreal I wonder sometimes sometimes and I'm just throwing this out there as a thought rather than I believe it that there's that whole anti-establishment it's good to get your voice heard against the norm type thing occasionally and rationality is taken out of it but then you've you've provided a credible argument there that you would still consider him for the rest of the season and then get rid of him at the end I think at the end of the day, as I've said many times before on this podcast, is he is going to be the manager for the time being. So we were surrounded by people at that game yesterday um, who were so angry with David Moyes, so angry with everything, like to the point they looked like they were going to explode for anger. And 
I think to myself, like, fair enough, you've got that opinion and stuff, but it's not going to change anything for the time being. So where you can, just try to accept that and see what this season can come of. Because I'm sure if we don't win the conference, the Europa League, sorry, and we don't do well in the league, he'll go. I'm sure he will. The problem is, is whether, and I was the first person out of all the... ITKs or everyone to call us to say he's not guaranteed a two and a half year deal. You know, everyone would say, oh yeah, he's got his two and a half year deal. It's just a question of when he's going to sign it. I was the first one that came out and said, no, that's not the case. Um, and it wasn't the case. And I don't think he will get that deal if we don't achieve something this season. But if he does do something this season, then I think he will. So I think you've almost got to just let this go, sit back and see what happens because we're not going to go down. The worst that's going to happen is that we go out of the cup the next round and we end up 14th, 15th. And yes, that would be a massive disappointment and a massive regression from what we've been achieving in previous seasons. But it's not going to be the end of the world. It gives you perfect grounding to get the new manager in and then you start fresh and hope this new manager that majority have been calling out calling for delivers what is expected of him and then that's the situation so I I personally think he's just going to see what happens you know if we lose the next two three games then I think he does have to go you know I think if we get knocked out of Europe which is you know coming up now isn't it and if we lose the next three games he there's no point keeping him just dragging out the season but whilst there's still a possibility of achieving something at this point, I wouldn't sack him tomorrow. Mm. Well, forgive me, because I can't actually remember if I revealed the percentage votes when I when I gave the options. Um, don't think you did, actually. No, I don't think <laughs> I did. So these were the options. It was sacking now and appoint an interim manager, and that was the vast majority of the vote, with 69% of people choosing that option. Um, sack... David Moyes at the end of the season then appoint a permanent replacement. That was 21%, which is where I sat in. I think Exix in the next one when it's give him a bit more time and then give him a new contract was just 2%. So, no, I don't um, think that. I don't think give him a new contract. No, no, you give him more time, I thought you said. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, right, sorry, yes, give him more time, but I don't think give him a new contract. No, 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 I didn't say that. No, no just give sorry. Him, give him a bit more yeah, time. Yeah, I think he deserves, I think he deserves a bit more, he needs more time and then the decision on the contract should come and I'm begging people, please don't at me in all this on Twitter and constantly like, how can you say this about David Moyes? It's just my opinion. I'm not saying it's right. What is tiresome is constantly being told how wrong I am. So just, just tell someone else you think I'm wrong. I'd rather not hear it. Um, but that is what I think. I think to see where we are. And I'm not happy. I'm not going to these games. I'm not driving up to Nottingham on a Friday night, um, and staying over and doing the same in, um, you know, well, doing, going to the Arsenal game and then doing the same in Manchester the week before and coming back and loving life. You know, of course I want West Ham to play good football and for us to win. You know, why wouldn't I? Of course I want the best for this club. Of course I want whatever manager is going to achieve the most for this club. It's, it, it's just, you know, it's obvious because that's what we all want. But this is my opinion. There's plenty of YouTube and podcasts out there where you can just listen to someone slate David Moyes for an hour. You know, you've, you all know who they are. They're all out there. Go and get them and click on that if that's what you want to hear. But if you want to hear people that are d- dilemma both sides of it and debate both sides of it, then hopefully this is the podcast for you. 
you. I'm not saying he's the right man for the job, definitely. I'm not even saying he's definitely the right man for the job now. I'm uncertain, as I say. I'm always neutral at the moment, but I just think because of the facts of the league table, and they are facts, yes, the performances are not great. That's a fact as well, but the fact is we sit on 36 points, which is two points less than seventh place, so a win and those two teams not winning, we sit seventh, which would be a good position for us to finish. I'd be happy if we finished seventh in the league. I think it would get us Europa League, uh, Europa Conference League football, and we still got the conference, the sorry, the Europa League to play. So I was, that's why if we go out of the Europa League and we're slowly dropping down the league, then I would say yes, then we got to go. People say it's too late by then, but I think the fact that he won a trophy as early as as recently as June gives him and us the the reason to see whether that fate can be repeated. Mm. Well, our day in Nottingham wasn't without its drama, was it? Because um, shortly after the burger review, you managed to nearly reduce the burger van owner to tears. Yeah, as I probably have most of these listeners as well. It's been a, been a, been a productive two days for me in that respect. <laughs> the dream wrecker. Yeah, exactly. So the, yeah, tell us yeah. about that, because that was fucking awkward to say the least. Oh, God, it? yeah, God. Do you know, I think I'd rather, in some respects, have stood in front of a hundred Moyes outers and pleaded my case than what happened <laughs> at, the, at, the, at the burger place, because, uh, yeah, that was awkward. So we'd bought our burger, we'd done the review, as everyone had seen on the patron because it was it was posted and as i'd finished i actually went to put the burger in the bin where the burger place was which actually looking back on it probably wasn't the best strategic move to have done i should have probably found a bin that wasn't right outside the uh, actual place i bought the burger from but <laughs> i wasn't really wasn't really thinking and then a bloke came up to me i've forgotten his name i know him so well but off the top of my head i forgot forgot his name but he'll know who he is he's a really graham it might be it might be graham but he's a top bloke anyway i've known him for years um he came up to me and saw me as i was walking uh, outside he said just done the burger review and I went yeah and he went um, so what was the score I went well it's going in the bin now ha 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 like making a joke like that without <laughs> thinking I was standing right in front of the burger van I just bought it from and, then, and, and I just didn't, didn't cross my mind I don't know what was wrong with me I wasn't even drunk either and then um, and then the, and the woman the, the woman that was behind there was a woman and a, probably her son I'm guessing and she goes, oh, you don't like it. You put it in the bin. And I went, uh, um, uh, um, yeah, I have just eaten lunch. So that's why, because I, I, was, I wasn't very hungry. And she went, you just said it went in the bin and you didn't like it. And I went, um, yeah. And I, and I went, anyway, we just review burgers. So we're not actually here to really eat the full thing. We just wanted to get the taste of it. And then that's why, because I've already had lunch. That's some stupid excuse like that. Oh, um, no. and, uh, and then she went, um, and then she went, so what did you score it then? And I went, um, <laughs> I went, oh, you, you, have, you have to watch the content. I can't give that away. And she went, well, I don't, she went, I don't, she went, I don't know where the content is. I went, oh, it's on the West Ham Way page. I can't give, I can't, I can't, I can't give, I can't give you the score because then, like, you know, that's what the patron subscription's for. And she was, and she was, and she was like, what on earth is he talking about? Probably what people think about when my, give my boys opinions. But, um, and then, uh, yeah. and then she, and then she said, so you do a burger review. So this is, 
is going to go out and people are going to uh, see that you've scored me lowly. And I said, well, and she, no, she went, was it below five? I went, no, 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 it wasn't below five. Obviously, it was six, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't elaborate on that bit. And she was, so what was it? And I went, and I just went, in the end, I just panicked. Like I'd, I'd got myself into such a hole that I just went, um, uh, anyway, I, I better go. Anyway, it, it was lovely, though. Don't worry. I just walked off. So. <laughs> I, love the, I love the way her own benchmark of success was five and below, by the way. Yeah, like, no, you know, I, six <laughs> is not a good result for that burger stand. You know, make no, no mistake. But or was it below five? Like, where did she pluck five from? Well, I think it was, it was the five fact. and a half. Was she being happy with that? <laughs> well, I think it's the fact I threw it in the bin. So that suggests that it's uh, not going to be a high score, is it? So, so I, think it, I, think it was, uh, I think it was going on that, but I felt so bad afterwards. Maybe maybe we deserved the um, defeat against Forrest as, uh, as karma yeah. for my uh, my horrendous conduct in front of the, uh, the burger bar, as it was known. Yeah, and that's the thing as well. And then probably about 20 seconds after that, and I was pissed, I walked over to the same fucking bin and bin my burger. So uh, yeah. that's probably the nail in the coffin for her. But, yeah, I think yeah. so. I hear that she's shutting down next week. So Yeah, it wouldn't surprise uh, me, to be honest with you. It sounds like she took it terribly. But, um, yeah, you know, she didn't, didn't take it well. About that, but do yeah. you know what? You know, take the comments on board learn from it and produce a better burger you know well, exactly be the start of what will be the best burger van in nottingham now this it could, could be the start the first day of the rest of her life you don't know do you it, it could well be it depends what sort of um reaction she has to it you know she goes and uh accepts bur- burger of the year award at um ix tomorrow we know she's not fully committed but if she if she, uh, if she goes and produces, sits down looks at the blueprints talks to various other bur- burgers managers and uh, comes up with something new then, then it could be the start of a whole new uh, better life for her so oh, let's we'll hope see so. let's hope yeah. so so um, Brentford Monday night how's that going to go for us Oh, God knows, mate. I don't know. Um, I, re- I literally have no idea. We've, we've obviously got Tony back now, which is a, a big problem for a defence that can't defend. Um, so yeah. I think... Phillips is obviously going to be suspended, so that gives you a selection solution. Packetar being fit is crucial. Whether he'll be fit enough, I don't know. Whether it's too soon to rush him back, I don't know. Let's just go hypothetically that he'll be on the bench. So the starting 11 for me, I think you keep Areola now. I would have dropped him for, for, for Forrest, which shows again perhaps how much I know, but on the back of that Forrest performance, I'd keep him in goal. I put Glenn Johnson right back. I think the problem is with Tony is that he's pacey and he's strong. Um, but I think I think you've got to put Ogbonna and Mavropanos back in. Mavropanos has pace. He doesn't look like he does, but he does. And I remember when we signed him, that was something that they said about him. Whilst he's six foot four, he is actually quick. So you get your pace for pace for Aguerd. I think Aguerd's got to be dropped. And I think Zuma's struggling a bit at the moment as well. So I would go bottom Mavropanos. I'd go Emerson. I'd then go Alvarez. I've got a bit of an issue with Ward-Prowse at the moment, if I'm going to be honest with you. He's almost, and again, this is going to probably cause people to get annoyed, but I think he's slipping towards the Thomas Suchek in um, un, what's the word, un-effective in-games role um, at the moment. Um, he's not, other than scoring penalties, I can't remember the the last time he scored or played well, um, his set pieces haven't amounted to anything recently. He's not scored a free kick for us. I don't know how much he's doing at the moment, so there's question marks on me over him, but because Phillips is out, I would still stick him in. I think 
you got to possibly call back Suchek, although I would I would rather stick in someone completely new. And although the options aren't really there, you, I think you could possibly put Cornet on the left and maybe put Bowen or Kudos as the sort of attacking one and the other one on the wing. Or even I would go as far as let's see if we can turn one of the other critics that we've had against us and that's as in David Moyes as in he doesn't play academy players maybe maybe now's the time to put in someone like Lewis Orford um, in that midfield and give us a boost give us that academy lad give us that youngster that which could have a good game and see how that goes you know it's worse the teams to do it against the Brentford and um, and see how that goes but if he's not going to do that then I think he'll put Suchet back in personally, but he's got to, he's got to change that defence for me. You can't have a defence that have shipped eleven goals in three games and not change it. Surely, mm. yeah, I know, I know. Fucking hell, it's it's got to be the most obvious focus that you can have as a manager when you're shipping so many goals as a defensively minded side. It's just fucking yeah. mad. Or it? even like... even go free at the back if you have to. I mean, we don't like mm. that at home, but uh, because of the current situation, I could understand it, like because of the fact we are shipping goals. So if we ended up playing three at the back, you know, you've lost Phillips, so you could put replace Phillips with a centre-back, you know, either Ogbonna or Mavropanos, and then uh, and, and put, or put both of them in and keep, you know, either Zuma or Aguered in there, maybe Zuma, I guess. And then I think Zuma might play better with two centre-backs alongside him. And then you start off with that being a basis of we're not going to concede a goal here or we're not going to concede, you know, many if we do, and then try and form that as the basis. You could do that, but you've got to do something different to that defence, surely. Like, if we come into that game on, um, and as I say, Johnson, I think she's coming for Chaffel as well, but if we go into that game, Game, um, on Monday and it's the same back four immediately it breeds in confidence and insecurity that we're going to be able to keep a clean sheet so I think he's got to change it I don't I don't know for certain that he will but if I was the manager I would certainly be doing that calling all West Ham fans are you a patron of the West Ham way if not why not for the price of a point, you get top quality content on a daily basis to include the famous West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X, over a hundred interviews with ex-players and celebrity fans, Mad Dog Bites with Martin Allen, a show with Tony Cotty, the U Irons podcast, the West Ham Way USA, a transfer window show with Demis Chef, an expert pre-match analysis. There are virtual events with ex-players, written articles, match day discussion, away day burger reviews, in-depth match reports, and if you want to be the first to get reliable, accurate, exclusive news on all club affairs, you'll get exactly that from the best ITK in the business, ex-West Ham United employee. All that and more delivered to your phone for a fiver a month. It's the daddy. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.